with the Girls That Create podcast on Word of Mom Radio. A strong network should be a cornerstone of our careers, but many of us fail to prioritize networking or teach our kids to consider it a necessity for whatever career they choose. My guest today is Kelly Hoey, author of Build Your Dream Network, Forging Powerful Relationships in a Hyperconnected World. As with clothing, there is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to networking. But there are truths that will make you and the girls in your life more confident and considerate networkers. Welcome to the Girls That Create podcast, Kelly Hoey. Thank you for having me. It's great to see you, Erin. So you originally graduated with a double degree in political science and economics and then went on to earn a law degree. And my understanding is that was kind of the expectation within your very close circle, a.k.a. family, maybe some friends. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, uh, there was an expectation that I would go to university. Both my parents have, they're not, you say advanced degrees, it's not like they're academics or something. My dad's a veterinarian. My mother was a high school teacher. So there was an expectation of going to university in terms of the imagination of what I studied and why I studied it. Yeah, there wasn't a lot there. So, you know, maybe that's the first networking lesson for people is, you know, Sometimes your family of origin can have the best intentions, but they can narrow your view on what it is you're capable of and what you do with something. Anyway, keep keep asking your question. I know where you're well, going with this. Say, well, I know, and um, which takes me to your next step, which is you actually learned a law, earned a law degree because that was again kind of like, well, that feels on track with the poli sci and the economics. And I love that you once mentioned that you also were relieved you didn't have to do the math. That was required in a business degree, and you just weren't feeling medicine. But then, you know, you realized you became a lawyer, you enjoyed practicing law, but then there was a time suddenly that you weren't really feeling it anymore. And you decided that you were going to move into management, specifically talent development. Actually, I think that would be like recruiting and finding new folks for the law firm. Is that correct? Uh, it was actually the, after they had been recruited, how okay. we developed um, uh, the talent that we had. So those were kind of training and development and professional development programs and retention efforts to to keep all these people you'd spent so much time and effort and money getting into your organization. Gotcha. And with that, though, you realized you had a network, but it was specifically for what you had been doing and did not actually assist you with what you were going to be doing. And that suddenly you came to this conclusion that you had to change how you networked and where you were networking. Yeah. And some of this is like the structure and maybe it's where we started with, you know, kind of family of origin, but you know, this, what's the structure of the network around you? Because you can end up in an echo chamber. You can end up, you know, sort of what you see yourself as is defined by the imagination of those people around you. And so when I think about, you know, going to university, then what do you do with poli-sci degree? Well, you go, you know, here were, the, here were the acceptable career options rather than what if I'd gone and said to my poli-sci professors, I want to meet some other people who've been in your class and done something else. 
besides being, you know, policy wonks or lawyers? Like, what else are these people doing? What else can I do with this that could be, you know, a little bit more than just the usual, you know, straight line path of what people expect? And then I got into practicing law and um, I did various areas of law in different law firms. And then at some point, yeah, it just, it wasn't working the right way for me. But even then, Erin, I had a very limited view of where my skills could be. Here I was with this law degree and I'd done banking and insolvency law and I'd done structured finance and I'd moved from Toronto to New York City, but I still couldn't see my skill set outside of the legal profession. So there's, you know, there's an element in that. What I had done was build a very strong network within the firm I was at with my colleagues, and I had done that at the previous firms. So there's one networking lesson that, you know, you're, you're, your network of where you work doesn't matter if it's a part-time job or after school or that you know gap year job those relationships may be really important so when i had decided i wanted to make a career change i i did kind of look where my skills could go but it was within the legal profession i went back to people i had worked with previously in toronto who had made a similar career change they opened their networks for me and that's what made this possible in terms of moving from being a lawyer to managing the careers of lawyers. But I realized in making that change that while I had had great relationships with colleagues, they were all in the legal profession. I had great relationships with clients. They were all in a specific place in the legal profession and what type of work that they dished out. I realized that that was a fabulous network and it was a very incomplete network because it left my career vulnerable to, you know, the economy, uh, changes in law firm structures, changes in my ambition, aspirations. So by at that point, by diversifying my network and intentionally saying, do I have enough variety? Think of, I mean, you sort of think about like a network, the structure of it, like a buffet. Do you go to a buffet and just eat the sliced tomatoes or do you sample a whole bunch of stuff? So I was like, I need to have more variety in my network because that is going to ensure that my career has greater strength down the line. And I think about that with creatives, the field, you know, all the different art jobs and art, you know, all the different positions in the creative field. And I think that also a lot of folks in creative think, oh, well, I've got my network and I know all the arts folks and I know all the film folk and I know, but they're not branching out to think, you know what, I should know some accountants. I should know some lawyers. I should know some writers or publishers, or just like a whole spectrum of different people. Because again, as you pointed out, you don't know how they will come back and assist you with what you're actually as you're growing and turning your career. Right. And, and shared interests are a great way to connect with people. So someone who's a creative to connect with people who love the arts, because who knows in terms of opportunities, whether it's grants, whether it's, you know, let's say attendees for your next art show or people who want to show up my tickets to your play or whatever it may be, but just thinking, oh, people who do the same thing. But also, there's a lot of people in fields that ignore their peer network. We get that scarcity mindset that 
oh, there's, you know, I, I'm the, I'm the artist, I'm the creative. If I hang out with others, they're, you know, like the shine's going to come off of me or whatever it may be. But that's where you need those peer networks, right? They may be your best mentors and advocates to guide you in the right direction to opportunities because every opportunity is not, you know, for everybody. Exactly. Why is it important to build a network before you need it? Oh, because it takes time. I mean, what makes networking challenging is you have to deal with other people. <laughs> you know, if this was an activity that we could just give you a checklist to follow and there was a guarantee at the end that you would get the result, I mean, that would be really fantastic. But this is a human dynamic. And therefore, you need to understand that there's a huge element that this is outside of your control. So you can send the perfect email. You can follow up. You can thank people. You can get the warm introduction. You can have known that person for years and, you know, fill in the blank of all the unknowns of things in their life. So that's why, you know, that kind of time to allow for the things that are outside of your control. When you're building relationships, you know, there is those interactions and a variety of interactions I always think is a good one. And I know we're going to talk about it. But you need those interactions because building relationships means you're building trust. And building trust takes time because trust is based on like a repeated pattern of behavior. Like, oh, I see you. You say you're going to do these things. I've seen you do these things. I've seen you do them multiple times. Therefore, I trust you. And that's when we will open up our networks. That's when we will make those bigger, I want to say, relationship outreach and embracing than just sort of one-off where I could say, oh, yes, I can give you a piece of advice. Thank you for calling, you know, their end of discussion. But we, we, we're much more generous when there's that layer of trust, and trust takes time. I know one of the things that frustrates you is when someone pops in on LinkedIn is just like, hey, I want to be part of your network. And you are like, I have no idea who this person is. I have never seen this person. And they're just basically saying, you looked cool on LinkedIn. Let's, you know, let's network. And it's kind of like, no, because that trust factor hasn't been established at all. And I think that's something we all need to recognize is that, especially with our network, it's not about how many, it's really about the quality versus the quantity. Exactly. And when those social media metrics, the ones that work on TikTok or the ones that work on, you know, back in the day on Twitter, the ones that work on Instagram, don't apply that to a platform like LinkedIn. That there's, in terms of who are your actual connections, you need to be able to vouch for people. I mean, I know there's people I'm connected to on LinkedIn that it is a very acquaintance level connection. It is not a deep connection. So if someone said to me, hey, could you introduce me to one of those acquaintances? I'm like, you know what? I'm connected to them. I think we met at this event or we crossed paths here or, God, I worked with them 10 years ago. That's it. Like, I, can I make a warm introduction? Not really go ahead and say to this person, hey, I see you're connected to Kelly Hoey. I know Kelly from this. This is why I wanted to talk to you. But 
you know, kind of go with God and good luck. But also, as you and I are talking, and I'm kind of going, you know, acquaintance level and sort of flip, not sort of casual about it, those casual acquaintance, light relationships are really important. And it goes back to that time. It takes time to build deep relationships. But if we only have a network of those deep relationships, we're restricting where our imagination and our ambitions can go. So you need deep relationships, but you also need to embrace these casual acquaintance level relationships where you don't know a lot about them. And that's okay because, like I said, you don't have all the time in the world, but those casual interactions can produce some of the greatest variety in your career. And you also have mentioned in your work that it's online interactions. While we have all these great tools, we, we're talking right now, you and I via Zoom, which is amazing, but I would almost say Zoom is kind of the in-between between the email and then that in-person interaction. You still feel very strongly that in-person is the way to truly connect with people, that there's just something it cannot be replaced. I think the pandemic has shown us that, but at the same time, I feel sometimes it's easier, of course, to talk online, but you just can't replace seeing someone, seeing their face, seeing their body language, talking about an environment that you're both sharing. You're absolutely right. I mean, networking is something you do with more than your mouth <laughs> and a handshake. <laughs> you take in more information, you know, through all the kind of the senses. You know, you're able to, it's not just what someone's saying, it's how they're saying it, where they're looking when they're saying it, what's their body language when they're saying it. There's more things that you can get in tune with. And you're right, through the last couple of years, the really embracing of these digital tools, think about the number of people you have been able to connect with because of platforms like Zoom, that we do maybe see more into people's lives you want to say the, you know, Peloton that's in someone's bedroom, you know, the, the kids that come running in to collect things, the things that parts of people's lives we may never have seen if we had just stayed in our uniform of work. So I think you need to realize that the digital tools in their full spectrum are part of our networking toolkit. And without our humanity without being authentically ourselves on those platforms, as well as when we're in real life or in real life light, so to speak. I think hearing someone on a phone call, like audio is really good, whether it's on a video platform, but in person, like you need to take all of that information and you need to be yourself in all of those places because then again, that's building up that trust factor and it's building a fuller picture of who you are as a person. I love that you've mentioned always be yourself, offline and online. Don't have two sides to yourself. You need to be exactly who you are representing in all the different platforms or events or places you're interacting with people. Right. And that's why, I mean, I really do feel strongly about that because, you know, you and I have probably met people that we've seen their profile, we've seen things when we meet them in person, it's like, whoa, what happened there, right? There's a massive disconnect. And then all of a sudden, you're sort of doubting your interactions, or you're doubting them, and you're wondering what's off, and you're not paying attention to what they're saying. And all of a sudden, everything is sort of like a glass breaking, it's all jarring. And, and that's 
problematic rather than saying, well, how do you be yourself online? Well, what's the networking room you're in? Now, Instagram is not LinkedIn. LinkedIn is not TikTok. WhatsApp is not, you know, fill in the blank signal. Like, right, who is the other person and what's the networking room that we're in in terms of what's the language, what's the dialogue, how do I interact? So I always think of digital spaces like physical spaces. What's the kind of conversation? So the conversation I would have around the dinner table, you know, with family doesn't look like the conversation I'd have with my colleagues at work. Well, that to me is the difference between Facebook and LinkedIn. So I am authentically me, but how I express myself may just get nuanced based on the context. Why is it important to explain to girls that their career journey is likely going to be nonlinear and why networking is crucial because of that fact? I mean, there's so much information, let me say studies and information now, like sort of saying the current, you know, generations of how many jobs and how many industries, the changes, the speed of innovation is so, so, so quick. That you can't say, oh, I'm going to go study AI because AI is going to be really cool. You know what? We might have AI developing AI, right? <laughs> oh, I listened to so many podcasts. I was listening to podcasts and they had an ad and it was for a university and they were offering a degree and they were, the selling point was in five years, there's going to be this many jobs in this field. And I'm like, how can you predict five years? You can't predict those things. But what you can predict is how you behave and how you behave can predict whether or not people will help you. So your networks are likely going to be the ones who are going to be the greatest source of opportunities. Feeding your resume, your skill set into a digital platform and hope it spits out an opportunity, you know, sort of sounds dystopian to me. <laughs> Very, very 1984, very Georgia, you know, Orwell. So no, no, no. So it's likely somebody else is going to say, here are the trends and things I'm seeing. Here's where I think your creative skills can be applied. You don't think that your creative skills can work in this tech space, but guess what? Here's where they merge. Networks, humanity is where, you know, I'm going to say for, for, for girls, they're going to see a bigger place of what you can be and what you can do. And that's why I think it's really, really, really important to expand your circle, expand your cliques, explore your interests, get curious about what other people are doing, share what you're interested in, because those interactions are really going to flesh out and see a bigger picture of who you are and to champion you advocate for you, mentor you. If we just rely on the old systems of resumes and recruiters or the newer systems of feeding it into a, a website to say, you know, here, apply here, very lonely, narrow, frustrating place to be with your career. And limiting. I, I, th I see the connection between what you were saying when you started out. Well, I'm going to get a degree. I'm going to get this. It's just kind of, again, limiting with what that inner circle may be telling you without thinking more broad. And so I think people need to recognize that also feeding it through an AI or through a system that's just going to spit out, obviously, the very most basic answers. It's the same limitation. Absolutely. You get stuck. If your network is too narrow, you think about 
you know, my network, my family of origin, my, you know, where I grew up, the city, all those kinds of things, narrow view, but also other people's fears, mm-hmm. right? So you may be hearing their fears, my imagination on what I could be. Well, I was hanging out with a bunch of lawyers and people in the legal industry. Oh, well, Kelly, you could do this with your career. What happens if I had closer friends who were doing other things? What if I could have seen taking these skills into these other fields? You know, so if you think about having those diverse networks that allow you and give you the confidence to kind of you know, step into these things. I also think, you know, early on, I, I mean, I know so many people sort of think about the younger generation that the fact they're going to have like 17 jobs and six industries and i suspect there are people who think oh my god right like how are they going to have any security what you're going to have security in your career is by relationships who are going to help you navigate this inevitable curving path in your career and support you in that uncertainty, in that discovery, in that wonder of wondering what's next or wonder where this is going to take me, you know? sort of thinking like the Wizard of Oz, right? You got your little, you know, it's lonely to go alone when you're sitting there. There's Dorothy you know, trying to get home by submitting her resume. Right. <laughs> submitting your resume online. Oh, I want to get home. Oh, look, you find some friends, and all of a sudden, this uncertain journey becomes this adventure together to discovering what each of you need and want. We're going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors. Hi, everyone. This is Erin. Have you heard of Creative Live? Creative Live is an incredible online learning platform that offers courses on all kinds of subjects, photography, self-improvement, art, writing, and web design, to name a few. I have personally taken several courses, such as A Brand Called You with Debbie Millman and Workflow, Time Management, and Productivity for Creatives with Lisa Congdon. And I plan to take even more courses in writing, networking, and video production. If you've ever wanted to pursue a creative outlet, I highly recommend taking a look at Creative Live. It's a great way to improve your craft and broaden your knowledge. Girls That Create is part of the Creative Live affiliate program, which means if you click on the link in the show notes and purchase a course, we'll receive a small affiliate commission. Thank you for supporting us. Hi, everyone. This is Erin. Have you heard of Creative Live? Creative Live is an incredible online learning platform that offers courses on all kinds of subjects, photography, self-improvement, art, writing, and web design, to name a few. I have personally taken several courses, such as A Brand Called You with Debbie Millman, and Workflow, Time Management, and Productivity for Creatives with Lisa Congdon. And I plan to take even more courses in writing, networking, and video production. If you've ever wanted to pursue a creative outlet, I highly recommend taking a look at Creative Live. It's a great way to improve your craft and broaden your knowledge. Girls That Create is part of the Creative Live affiliate program, which means if you click on the link in the show notes and purchase a course, we'll receive a small affiliate commission. Thank you for supporting us. She is brave, she is bold, she is you, and we want to tell your story. Are you ready to share your journey with us on Word of Mom Radio? Go to wordofmomradio.com and register as a guest. We want to tell your story because when you win, we all win. Unsilenced Voices has been working diligently in Ghana, Sierra Leone, Rwanda, and the USA to combat domestic violence, 
sexual abuse, and human trafficking. We currently have over 50 young girls on a wait list in Sierra Leone to go through a vocational training program to get them off the streets and out of harm's way. We have gifted over $33,000 to U.S. survivors and are looking for volunteers and donors to help us continue our cause. Please visit us at www.unsilencedvoices.org. Again, unsilencedvoices.org for more information. Don't let the name fool you. Stadiumbags.com is not just for sports fans. Our clear bags make it easier for you to get into any venue that you go to. And in today's world where we are so concerned about germs, the materials that our bags are made with are strong enough to stand up to the solvents that you can use to clean your bag so you know you come home safely. So check out stadiumbags.com. You'll see why we are the clear choice safety, it's in the bag. And we're back with the Girls That Create podcast on Word of Mom Radio. My guest today is Kelly Hoey, author of Build Your Dream Network, Forging Powerful Relationships in a Hyper-Connected World. What should young people have in place before they start working on their network? I think a lot of parents who have older kids, the high schoolers, are kind of like, wow, how can I advise them as they're starting to go into college or just into the workforce and really, you know, impart this wisdom about Again, as you said, who you work with can be the very the beginnings of building that network. Exactly. So think about this is a lifelong journey and there's relationships that you've invested in in high school that will come back. You may not see those that favorite teacher. You may not see some of those friends because you go off to different colleges, but realize that is still part of your network and find ways to stay sort of in touch and in tune with what's going on because Yes, that teacher with a recommendation, just like professors and, and teaching assistants and all of those people. So realize you have all of that and also take a look at what your network is to sort of think, all right, where are some ways that I can ensure that I am building in this variety in terms of interests and pursuits early on so that, that I don't sort of have to backfill later on because someone says they don't do what I did. <laughs> follow my wisdom, kids, follow my wisdom. But yeah, if you can build in that diversity early on. So maybe you've enjoyed and you've been active in theater in high school, but you understand that, you know what, that's not going to be my long-term career. I'm going to take my creativity and apply it, you know, to something else. Well, maybe you still want to do something within the theater to just keep that that passion keep that as your side interest because that is an amazing network of people to have so there's just different things that way but yeah you just i would say the biggest thing is going in is realizing you have a network because it can feel very lonely and vulnerable if you feel you don't have one so you do have one now find light touch ways to stay in touch with the network that you feel you're leaving behind and ensure going forward that you're keeping sort of an expansive view of who and what is possible with building connections and interests so you don't step into an echo chamber. I do want to touch on internships because that's another place where, you know, you do an internship and it may be in a field that you were interested in, and then the internship teaches you maybe, hey, I'm not actually going to pursue that, but it's still important to cultivate who you met and what the context that you created during that time period. 
But exactly, just as a young person is likely to have, yes, six industries, 17 jobs over the course of their lifetime. Those people that you network with and during an internship, they may change jobs. They may have, right? So even if you go in and you're like, oh, this is not what I want to do, present yourself every day and devote yourself to that job every day in the sense of supporting the efforts of the work environment and being the type of colleague that other people want to invest time in so that if you turn to them and say, this was an amazing internship, here's things I learned, and I learned that there's no way I want to go into this field, those people could still say, yes, Erin was incredible. And while she realized that, you know, we think she'd be an amazing in this profession, she realized she didn't, we'd recommend her for anything for these reasons. Uh, you think of Anne Hathaway and the devil wears Prada. <laughs> you know, the Anna Wintour type character at the end is like, fires off the amazing reference letter, right? Because, hey, she did an incredible job. So even if you realize, oh, my dream job was to be, you know, working at Vogue magazine, and then you're like, no, actually, I want to be writing for this completely different publication. Sort of sounds like going from Vogue to the Village Voice or something. Anyway, even in the situations that you realize this is not for you, you're building relationships that can provide some level of support, guidance, reference, opportunities. You never know. So why close that door by not devoting yourself fully in those scenarios. I want to move on to networking events because I've seen this. I know you've seen this. People come to an event, but they haven't actually asked what their intention is for that event, their why. They just kind of show up and they, I don't know, it's, I think it's just not thinking it through because it's, if you don't, if you walk in and you don't know what your intention is, then you almost can cause yourself to have anxiety because then you feel like, well, what am I going to talk with people about? What is this? What is that? Who should I interact with here? All these questions can run through you. But if you give your time to think, you know what, I'm going to this event to connect with people in my field. I'm going to this event to share about my new project. I'm going to this event to, maybe I am, I'm just going to this event to enjoy the event. But if you know that that's your intention, then it takes a lot of weight off of your shoulders. I would love to just hear your thoughts about setting an intention before you just go walk into any kind of networking event? I love this question, and and you kind of nailed nailed it right there. I mean, I think when someone says to you, you should attend this, that's your first opportunity to to look at them and say, tell me more. You you seem really (laughs) convinced that this would be really good for me. Tell me more about why you think so. Because a lot of the times, particularly, I think, for younger people, whether it's during your internship or your parents or a teacher, someone saying you should do something like that, that authority figure, we're like, oh, okay. And I think the first thing is to be able to stop and say, just tell me more. You're really convinced that I should go and do this. Why? And they could say, well, the speaker is so-and-so and they are amazing. And you said you were interested. And then, and then if it was me, I'd be like, rock and roll. I'm going to go to this sit in the front row and listen to the speaker. Do I have to work the networking room? No, I'm going to do one thing. And then I'm going to go back and I'm going to tell the person who said I should go and hear the speaker 
how right they were and what I learned and all the rest of it. Now, I've learned something and I've deepened relationship with maybe a mentor or guidance counselor or somebody who said this would be good. And being there and being so fully present listening to that speaker, I may gain a whole lot of information that may help me in my career or take me in all sorts of different places. So when someone says go and do something, you should attend this. Stop and ask them why. Why do you, you seem so convinced I should do this? Why do you think? See what it is that they provide back to you. Oh, this is a good place to meet other creatives who are going to do X. Fantastic. Then my next step would be when I would get to the events, I would look at the event organizers and say, this is my first time here. My mentor or this person suggested this would be a great place to meet other creatives who are doing what I am doing. That's your opportunity to tell them what you're doing. And then you could look at them and say, any recommendations on who I should meet, who I should talk to first? Oh, like lay it out on the line. Some of this is, you know, how, how can other people are recommending that you do something? And then if it was just you yourself, I mean, being able to go to an event and say, I'm just curious. I've heard a lot about this meetup. I've heard a lot about this community. There's your icebreaker. There's your opening line. Being curious about other people, what the value they've gotten, what they've learned, what they're doing in their world, asking those kind of questions. But when you understand why you're in the room, I think you can start navigating the room with a lot more ease. Talk to me about the concept to give before you get. I know that's really important at networking and one of your, again, something you strongly believe in. Yeah, that's that networking generosity and that trust as opposed to turning it into something that is very transactional. But I also know it's a concept that can cause younger people to freeze. And they think, well, what do I have to give? And like, oh, it's networking. And, they, and you think of that kind of networking give before you get is I need to have a network or, you know, really great connections or Something, you know, if I ask, you know, Baron asked me to be on her podcast, I've got to get her on my podcast, you know, like that kind of, those equal kind of, if I ask for a job lead, I need to give them a business lead. I'm, I'm a student. I don't have that. What I think for younger people, the most important thing is your networking gives is that generosity and respect and understanding that somebody else is giving you their time, their insights, their experience, and maybe their introductions. So that's where, in terms of thinking about who is this other person, what is the right way to approach them, how do I follow up and let them know that I appreciated their advice, how do I follow up with them and let, I, let them know what I did with their advice. So if someone makes an introduction, that leads to a job interview, that leads to a job. There's three communications that you should have had with the person that you met with originally. Not they, No one wants to find out you got the job from someone they introduced you to, you know, from, you know, a LinkedIn post. <laughs> right. Our LinkedIn post, yeah. <laughs> yeah they, they don't want to hear it from the person they met. No, they want to hear it from you. So your networking generosity is not oh, and if there's anything I can do for you, or can I make this introduction for you? No, your networking generosity is that appreciation. So many people who are accomplished in their careers, they want to support, they want to mentor, they want to give advice. And all they want in terms of your networking give 
is for that to be acknowledged. So just keep them in the loop. Even if you're like, well, I don't never need to talk to them again. Just keep them in the loop. You never know. They may have some other idea for you. And that other part of it in terms of that generosity, if you fail to sort of honor this thanking them and keeping them in the loop, that helper's high that they get, there is a dopamine hit that we get it, we get that does happen. Our likelihood of them wanting to be as generous and networking and open up our experience to somebody else starts to get diminished. So some of this is, you know, you're doing this for future generations. So help right. them out. <laughs> I do want to touch on this because I see this happening maybe with, you know, younger folks, but even, you know, anyone across the entire career spectrum. You know, we're all human. Sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we drop the ball. Sometimes we don't do the follow-up. We don't do the introduction. Or we brought someone in to help with something, and then, lack of better words, they got ghosted. And then time passes, and then you're starting to feel even more, you know, guilty of letting that drop. And then you just never do anything because then you feel so guilty. You're almost crawling under a rock. What is your advice on handling when you have that human experience and you mess up? How can you reestablish with that network person that you just, you're kind of like, I need to tend to that situation. You never know how the other person's going to respond. So my recommendation is to send the communication that you would want to receive if you were, you know, the shoe was on the other foot. So all you can do is control your own behaviors. And if you're like, I really messed up on this, just to be able to say, I'm really sorry. I should have done these things and I didn't. And I apologize. It's up to the other person. They could be a one and done type that they're like, you messed up, you're done. Or they could say, oh, I'm sorry, I've been so busy, I didn't even realize that you hadn't gotten back to me on that. Like, you don't know what's going on. So all you can control is your own behavior. And if you think your behavior has fallen short and you're carrying that, because I think also care, Aaron, carrying that, oh my God, I didn't do this. This could be one of those kind of gremlins that prevents you from doing other things and having other interactions. So I'm like, you know what? Just get that gremlin off your back. That's very good advice. Some people find it difficult to share an accomplishment. They get kind of, they feel sharing is the same as bragging with their network. And, you know, I'm, when I was younger, I remember I intended to send an email to someone directly on a listserv and of a group I belonged to. But when I hit reply, I hit reply all. And I, what I was sending them was that I'd gotten a new job. And I hit all, reply all. It went out to the entire group. I was mortified. I was much younger, but you know, then I sent an apology email for sending the email because I just felt so guilty about, you know, sharing this opportunity, that I'd gotten this opportunity. It was kind of during an economic downturn. And a woman in the group whom I greatly admired, Ann Durham Robinson, sent me a message directly. And she said, don't ever apologize for your successes. And that has always stayed with me since that time period. And I think as women and girls that we have struggled for years about this concept of sharing and bragging and that, and that we need to push through that and teach our girls to do the same and understand that just sharing is not the same as bragging. Well, I'd like to quote Muhammad Ali. It's not bragging. Back it up. (laughs) Not bragging. (laughs) if You can back it up. (laughs) No, you've got the skills and the talent. So exactly. I mean, uh, you got to own your ambition. 
I also think we need to realize that there are systems that just because the system doesn't allow all of us to have the same you know, outcome doesn't mean we shouldn't own the outcome we get. And by that, I mean, like you think like the Fortune 500. There's only 500 people who get to be CEO of a Fortune 500. There's a heck of a lot of more people. So we can celebrate our accomplishments. And that doesn't mean by us succeeding, somebody else doesn't. So to own what you have done, and maybe at the same time to say, yeah, I got this. Let's take your example. I landed this job in a downturn. Here's my three lessons from navigating that, or I've just landed this job. There's still my resumes in the pipeline for some others that I'm still there, know they're actively looking. If anybody else is looking for some of these jobs, I can give you some insights on my interviews at these companies. Like there's how we can sort of, I want to say, if you're feeling like, Ooh, right. Like, but I want to be a good person in the community or I want, still want people to like me. It's like, yeah, I landed this and let me help you on your ambitious path to, to achieve your definition of success. And I love this idea that you've shared about the magical person on the plane that's sitting next to you on the plane, because it's this idea of always being open to not knowing who you're sitting next to and how that could impact your life down the line. But you have to be open to the interaction and the connection. Well, we always waiting for something like one magical person, you know, the knight in shining armor. I mean, maybe it's sort of like that fairy tale thing. It's like the, your knight in shining armor, when I think about my life, my knights in shining armor have been the administrative assistant to one of my colleagues, but in a completely different department in a law firm. My knight in shining armor has been an intern four years later where, where she landed in her, her job. So you just don't know. And from working in the legal profession, particularly in New York, there were so many interesting, creative people who, you know, had their day job, but they were doing all these interesting and exciting things. So to be interested in that other person, that barista may not just be a barista. They may be, but they may not be. That person sitting next to you on the plane, who knows? who they are and what they are, what they're doing, what their story is, you know? So I remember sitting on a plane once and yeah, that person in every description would be like someone you didn't want to sit next to basically because this dude looked like he hadn't bathed in four months and that was accurate. And when I found out, because he was a fearful flyer, so he was chatting away, he'd been on the road with Metallica for four months in like South America and Latin America. He'd literally been washing his clothes in a kitchen sink and he was a roadie. I had the most interesting conversation. So you never know. Uh, so just being curious and open that way and who knows what things will lead to. Talk to me about putting your career in front of new opportunities. I think that's kind of what we were just touching on a little bit, but you know, as we get older and we built our network, but you know, we may have, not been tending to it as much as we should be. What steps can we take if you're later in your career to kind of start reigniting those connections and reaching out and just kind of tending to the garden of the network? Well, I think this is where, you know, we talked about digital tools. They may be inadequate in terms of some of the depth of relationships, but they can be a really great spark for maintaining, reigniting, updating our networks in terms of what we're doing, what we care about, and that's where, you know, keeping an eye on what other people are doing, 
celebrating their accomplishments, asking them how they did those things, getting curious about what you were studying this and now you're doing this. How did that happen? You know, those kinds of things. I'm thinking about making a change too. Would love to talk to you about that. So that's just what I think that that paying attention to what interests our network and then having that clarity when you're presenting yourself of where you are on your career journey. Yeah, I'm studying this and I'm curious where my skill set's going to take me. Or, you know, it was great doing all those things. I've had a little bit of time off and now I'm thinking I want to get back into, I'd love to, you know, bounce some ideas or I'd love to hear what you're seeing. So it just gives us that chance, you know, when you're willing to be open and transparent and vulnerable where you are in your journey. But like I said, the flip side is if you're paying attention to what other people are doing, that can spark a conversation for you to, you know, insert and reemerge re with your career. Tell me about your book and your newsletter, because I have the book and I love the newsletter, but I would just love to, you know, what do you, what are you offering your audience in both of those outlets? Well, um, yeah, the book is kind of, I mean, I was, once in a while I think, oh, God, if I have to update that book, what am I going to say now? Um, you know, some of it doesn't change. Platforms have changed, but some of it, you know, the, the underlying advice hasn't changed. So the book, Build Your Dream Network, it's, you know, some practical, actionable advice. And more than anything, I think, Erin, it gives people like a mindset and a place of confidence to go out and realize that this is a daily lifelong activity and it should be it is not an easy one but it doesn't have to be onerous either it shouldn't be i don't know your christmas sweater the thing you pull out once a year it should be something you do every day because those little actions over time can lead to really big results yeah my new Substack that's just giving me a chance to muse and to, to say try a different writing style thinking about writing and getting into writing my next book as we're talking and I'm staring at you and behind my computer is just masses of sticky notes and things that for, for the next book. So as I, you know, have my daily writing practice or a uh, part of that weekly writing practice, that's, that's the newsletter. And then things that are definitely from book number one, build your dream network. That's where I can have my networking pro tips and, is it okay to when people ask me questions and things that I, you know, want to rail and rant against that, you know, in terms of human interactions, just annoy me. <laughs> you know, that's how we all learn. <laughs> like people, did you really do this? Yes. As I become the mismanners of networking. <laughs> that's not a bad book title for the next one. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's missed manners. <laughs> there you go. Well, Kelly Hoey, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. I've really enjoyed this discussion. Oh, so good to chat with you, Erin. Thank you. To all of you tuning in, thank you for joining us on the Girls That Create podcast on Word of Mom Radio. Let's all remember to tell those deep-seated fears of networking to scram. Here's our closing theme song by Smith Sisters and the Sunday Drivers. Till next time, this is Erin Prather Stafford. She is sure, she is sure, she is strong, she is strong, she is true, she is true.